and start there tonight. Glory to God. We're in the right place at the right time. What a better, what better day in the whole world to, to hear the Word of God. I'm so, I was just thankful when, when Garland was singing. I was so thankful that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His dear Son. I'm thankful not to be blind anymore. I was blind. I was blind. We were blind Christians, me and Pastor. We were blind when we could not see and we didn't see. Uh, you know, and not just about uh, Halloween and the, 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 what that is associated with, but uh, I was in the Eastern Star. He was a Freemason and uh, got baptized and didn't see it, couldn't see it. And I knew my grandmother, she was baptized in the Holy Ghost. When I, I actually got, um, what do you call it, initiated, I guess, uh, as or, or not initiated. But anyway, I was going to be like the head of the Eastern Star, and I was going to be the worthy matron. That's what they call it instead of president. And uh, my grandmother, I could tell she didn't like it, you know. I guess kind of like some people can tell we don't like Halloween. We kind of get kind of kind of get a twitch or something, you know, about it. Anyway, and uh, so anyway, she said, uh, I could tell she didn't like it, but I just, and I wanted to see, but I couldn't see. I was like, I just don't see anything wrong with this. And uh, because it seemed like it all pointed to Jesus and all that. So, uh, uh, but I got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and it was like the moment we got baptized in the Holy Ghost on January 1st, 1980, nearly immediately, I don't know, within just a few days, as soon as we had time to think about it, it just hit me like a brick. He alone is worthy. I mean, I, they were calling me the worthy matron. Oh, my gosh. You know, and the even worse, the mason's head, and Pastor never was this, is a, called worshipful master. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's the head of the masons. Yeah, that's the name of like the, the president for the year. And, and so we immediately renounced all that. Ask God to forgive us, renounced any association with us, and ask them to take our name off the rolls. And they said, oh, no, no, just quit paying your dues. And, but stay in in case you ever want to get back in. We said, no, take our names off the rolls. Now, whether they ever did or not, but in, in God's eyes they were because we commanded it. And hallelujah. So anyway, I'm just thankful to come out into light. It, it's just wonderful to walk in light. And I want to walk in light more. I'm willing to change. Are y'all? Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, we're talking about, uh, we've been talking about judgment last week and this week. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, and I want you to notice he says, that not doesn't say everybody in the world, but my people. Yeah. It doesn't have to be everybody in the United States, just my people. Okay? If my people, which are called by my name, we're called by his name. Amen. Amen. The church is called by his name. Shall humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And we need healing in our land in America. America needs a healing. America needs an awakening. And it's the only thing that's going to change America. That's all, you know, Pastor said Sunday, we'll never get rid of racism. As long as there's a devil, there'll be racism. If it's not one way, it'll break out another. We'll never get rid of sickness as long as there's a devil. You could get the cure for cancer tomorrow, run for the cure, and you could get it. And he'd, he'd, there'd be some other disease that would be, you know, you could get a vaccine for uh, swine flu and the Hong Kong flu will break out you know it don't matter you will not conquer that but in Jesus we conquer we can conquer all things 
In Jesus, we walk free. In Jesus, we're free. And in awakening and revival, that was one of the hallmarks of two, uh, 1906 Azusa Street. It was like the first time that blacks and whites had worshipped together. Was And people were more amazed by that maybe than what the Holy Ghost did in this little barn type thing in Los Angeles, California. The Holy Ghost is poured out and the preacher was black and, the, and white people were flocking to come and receive God and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Glory. Brother Seymour was his name. Hallelujah. And that was in 1906. And hallelujah. And that was the outpouring when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was poured out. And man, it's been a hundred years, over a hundred years now of a wild ride of the Holy Ghost, just continual outpouring. Hallelujah. Well, we live in the last of the last days. And in the Word of God, in Acts 2, go there first. We'll look here. In, in the Word of God, it tells that in the last days, or the last of the last days, actually when Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and preached, do you remember that, when 3,000 souls were saved and converted? He said, he said, this is that which Joel has said that in the last days so Peter told us when he preached his sermon on the day of Pentecost that the last days had started so if the last days started 2,000 years ago, we must be in the last of the last days. And besides all that, we know God had a seven-day plan. And in Peter, he said a day is as a thousand years. So he had a 7,000-year plan for the earth. And we know that 6,000 years has passed. And we know that the last thousand is going to be the millennial reign of Christ. Now, where we're in that, because nobody's really for sure whether we're going by the Jewish calendar or the Julian calendar and so we're and we're not really sure if what day what exact uh, year Jesus was born most scholars believe he was born in 4 AD and and then you know we know he he was 30 before he began to minister but we are in the very last of the last days and and Jesus told us in the word of God that there would be signs associated with the last days that we would be able to recognize these signs and know that they were that it was the last days and in Acts 2 is one of them and he goes out and says your sons and your daughters shall prophesy verse 17 in the last days and your young men shall see vision and your old men shall dream dreams there's never been a day when there's been more visions and dreams I've been telling you all about the book I'm reading about uh, 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 miracles among the Muslims and in these Muslim countries of Iraq and Iran and Saudi Arabia and Jordan and Syria and uh, Egypt all these Muslim countries such tremendous appearances uh, of Jesus and uh, he's peering to them in dreams and visions he's coming to them in the night even some of them are having signs and wonders where uh, in the night one lady and this is documented with pictures and with uh, uh, people that saw it uh, uh, she felt a hand brush across her forehead in the night and uh, blood was on her forehead in the shape of a dove and uh, uh, so these are things are happening all over the Middle East and uh, uh, in, if you read in Isaiah 19, write that down. Everybody write down Isaiah 19. You will find out that in the last days that I Egypt and Assyria, which is, translates Iraq, and Israel are going to come together. 
And so when you hear somebody say, we shouldn't have gone to Iraq, we shouldn't have gotten that war, well, they're wrong. Now, a lot of times our, our president and our leaders don't know why we went. They just know something compelled them to go. But we had to go to Iraq because Iraq is in the Bible for the last days. Going to be saved. Is uh, Egypt's going to be saved. Everything got started in Iraq. That's where the Garden of Eden was. That, you know, it all started there. Daniel, his big thing was in Iraq that Pastor was reading about. Daniel Sunday morning. That was Iraq. And, uh, and uh, uh, hallelujah. So many tremendous things in the Bible took place in Iraq or Babylon, all same thing, you know, and Assyria sometimes called in the Bible. And so uh, uh, these signs and wonders where people uh, are having these dreams and visions, and I know even in my own life, dreams and visions have increased, and I know in yours. And it says, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in these days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. One of the signs of the last days is women preachers. All through until the night, until about 1906, you hardly ever heard of a woman preacher. And woman preachers have been a phenomena of these last, you know, we had Amy Simple McPherson and Maria Woodworth Edder, Catherine Kuhlman, and now we have, and you know, at one time it was highly persecuted and... Uh, Hallelujah, but now it's pretty common for a woman to be a preacher. And we still got some old stodgy Baptists that don't like it, but they'll get over it. I just like to ruffle their feathers. Hallelujah, I kind of enjoy it. Hallelujah. Praise God. <laughs> anyway, and but that's one of the signs of the last days. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Man, I tell you, this week we looked on the TV and there was water and fire and hallelujah it looked like the last days there was boats stacked up that looked like toy boats didn't it hallelujah it was bad and so these are these are things the sun shall be turned into darkness the moon into blood before that great notable day of the lord and uh, all those that call on the name of the lord they'll be saved hallelujah praise god everything's always going towards redemption Hallelujah. So we're looking for that. Matthew 24. Let's go over and look at some more last days things. Matthew 24, and we'll read in verse 6. We could read Matthew 24, uh, 20, uh, 24 and 25. Uh, all of it talking about the last days, but we'll look in verse 6 of Matthew 24. Let me get there. Uh, says, uh, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. We do that. That's 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 uh, common. <laughs> Hallelujah. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must say must. must must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, or in one version it says birth pangs. That means birth pangs. And we know that when a woman goes into labor, that these things are, that birth pangs are pretty far apart, aren't they? And But the, the more we get into the last days, the closer these things get together, the closer the birth pangs get together. Right before the birth, the woman's having pain where it just doesn't stop. I don't really know this because I didn't have my kids that way. Hallelujah. They were conceived in a... a, a in a test tube and 
No, I'm just kidding. But I didn't have my kids that way. But people that did have told me that those birth pangs they get where it's just like it isn't, there isn't any space in between. And that's how our earth has gotten. We hardly have a day in between, uh, maybe a week sometimes between an earthquake or a storm. And this is not just limited to earthquakes and wars. These, these storms, these perfect storms that keep coming and these hurricanes and uh, just several of them every year. We're used to you. Get one ever ever five years. Used to I read this that like um, twenty years ago the average um, uh, billion like a storm that would have a million in losses a million in loss would be a one per year, and now like uh, in early two thousand like the when the two thousand started at the turn of the century uh, it got to be it's about five a year. And now it just seems like it's even more, hallelujah, with earthquakes and storms. And it's just uh, billions of dollars in loss for the American people and the American taxpayer. Think what it's going to cost us taxpayers to clean up this mess in New York City, New Jersey, and we pay for it. You know, we're paying for it. Don't think this is just, well, the government will take care of that. But we the people. <laughs> we the people are the government hallelujah and we're going to pay for this and we had to pay for Katrina and we have to pay for all of this stuff and so uh, hallelujah praise God anyway but we I'm mean, not that we don't want to we have to we don't have a choice but uh, these are the birth pangs of the last days. These are signs, and we should see them as that and wake up and tell our friends that there's signs. Hallelujah. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 23. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God said in Malachi, He said, I am the Lord, I change not. So, uh, hallelujah. Praise God. We are under a different covenant now. But hallelujah, who he is and how he thinks does not change. He hadn't changed his mind on homosexuality, hadn't changed his mind. It doesn't matter what a politician says, doesn't matter what the, uh, even the voter. We could all vote that, that homosexuality, is, homosexuality is right. And it wouldn't matter what we said. It matters what God says. Hallelujah. And so we, that's why we have to always make this Bible our, our, our book of law. This Bible our, our standard. Go back to the Bible when you have a question. I don't know about you, but I was raised in a church and I wasn't taught that. I really wasn't taught that. Now, I taught, taught the way of salvation, but I wasn't taught that every question in life was answered in the Bible. That anything you run into, any problem you have, the answer's in the Bible. I wasn't taught that, and I'm sure that some of you weren't either. 1 Kings 8, 23 says, uh, And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keepest covenant. That is a very important phrase. Keepest covenant. Hallelujah. And mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. The key word of that verse is God keeps covenant. If you don't remember anything else tonight, remember that God keeps covenant and know that you are in covenant with Almighty God. You are, the Bible says that uh, if you be Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise, you are actually in the Abrahamic covenant as well as the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Which the Bible says is a new and better covenant. 
based on better promises and on better blood. The blood not of uh, bulls and goats, but the blood of Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. And God always looks for when, there's a, when there's judgment. We talked about the judgments last week, and we started with... Um, uh, we started with, uh, let me see if I can find where I was last week. The first kind of judgment is the curse that's in the earth that happened when Adam fell. That God judged that. and he, there's, there's a curse in the earth. It, 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 it's going to be here until the millennial reign starts. And when that starts, that curse is going to be uh, uh, lifted off the earth. But until then, there's only one way to escape, two ways, three ways. I think I listed, first of all, be born again, be in covenant. And number two, uh, by, pro by the promises, we escape judgment that's in the earth through lust. So we speak the promises, and that lifts us up over Hallelujah. And then we talked about last week, Psalm 91, about the name of Jesus. The last part of Psalm 91 says that he delivers those that know his name. And so we are to know the name of Jesus and the power of that name. And that word know is to be very intimate with the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Not, uh, so it's important that we don't use the name of Jesus, I think, in a slang way or in a... Uh, cursing way of course but some you know you watch tv these days especially little teenage girls it's like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god over and over half ass they can say it you know if they ever get excited it's oh my god oh my god oh my god well that is that is not right somebody ought to take the fanny paddle to them my grandmother had a fanny paddle hanging on the wall she didn't mind using it on the grandkids it actually said for for disobedient children and 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 stubborn horses. I think it had a whole list of things on there. And she didn't mind taking that little thing off the wall and just wearing your little fanny out. Hallelujah. And so we need to use the fanny paddle on little girls that say, Oh my God. And you know, or go get you a bar of soap and cram it in their mouth. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Look, uh, so... Uh, that was the first kind of judgment. And then we talked last week about there's going to be a reward judgment at the end of, at the, end of uh, the age. There will be a time when God rewards those. There's rewards now. Don't get me wrong. God rewards his people now. But it says that uh, there's going to come a time when uh, God turns to us and says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful, and I want you to note this, there has been faithful over a few things. We are too busy now to be faithful over even a few things. We need to eliminate whatever we have to eliminate so we can, you don't have to be faithful over everything, but we are supposed to be faithful over a few things. And I believe that few things there is talking about spe specific assignments. We don't want to go out of this world and not have completed that which has been assigned to us. Each one of us has an assignment. For however long we're here, whether it's going to be 60 years or 65 or 120, you know, you may not have much time left because the rapture may occur. So, but for however long we're here, we're, we have an assignment we need to be faithful over. It, and that's how we're going to get that well done. And he says, thou hast been faithful over a few things. Uh, I'm going to make you master over or ruler over many things. Enter into the joy 
of thy salvation. And so that's going to be a blessed time when we receive a reward. And actually what we're actually that's not so much speaking about a lot, like a it's speaking of a reward of rulership that God's going to make you an assignment in the millennial reign and assign you to be a ruler maybe over a city, some people over a country, some people over a state. Hallelujah. You're going to come back. Hallelujah. Brother Copeland said the Lord told him he's going to be right there at Eagle Mountain. He's probably going to be the governor of Texas. He might be something even more than that. Hallelujah. Because in the millennial, it, these, it ain't going to be the wicked ruling. It's going to be the church in these positions of authority. Hallelujah. And then 1 Corinthians 3, if you want to turn there. We, didn't t we talked briefly about this, but we didn't look at the scripture last week of what I call the conveyor belt judgment. That's, those words aren't exactly in the Bible, but I feature it, I feature it that way. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 12. Hallelujah. And uh, it's, uh, now if any man built on this, upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work, say work, shall be manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So if you hadn't done anything for the Lord, and that conveyor belt's just going to come out empty, and you're, the Bible says that you'll still be saved, but you know there's just not going to be any reward in heaven. But if you've been building on the foundation of uh, gold, silver, and precious stones, it's called investment. When we pray, that's an investment. When we come to church, you are investing when you come to church. Not only are you investing in your own life and investing in your children's lives and investing in the generations that are past you. If, if Jesus were to tarry, Three generations from now, your church attendance would make a difference in those generations. What you know would make a difference. Your DNA and how your DNA is affected by the presence of God will be imprinted on those generations after you. The DNA of wicked ancestors gets imprinted in your DNA. And that's why some people have a propensity towards alcoholism. And because that DNA is imprinted with the sins of the generations. But, but your DNA is, you're investing in future generations. And so, but those are, you're not only investing there, you're, what your attendance is, in, is an investment into Tuscaloosa County. It's making a difference in this atmosphere of this county. Our prayers are changing the atmosphere. It doesn't look like it's working big time yet, but it is working. And the Bible says one can put a thousand, two can put ten thousand, and there's a multiplication. And there is a, you know, so there is an investment we're making in prayer. And there's an investment. And these things are the gold, silver, and the precious stones. And you know, it's not, you know, it's, there's not anything wrong with having fun. But if all your investment is in the fun parts of life, you're, you're going to go through the conveyor belt. And it's going to be like, shucks, I wish I'd have 
sown a seed. I wish I had invested something. Hallelujah. So everybody gets that. I don't have to belabor that. Hallelujah. Thank heavens God is love. Thank heavens for his word that teaches us. We talked about last week how all judgment is redemptive in nature. God's purpose, and if any judgment comes in the Garden of Eden, wherever it came, it was in the Old Testament when you see nations judged, wiped off the face of the earth, God's purpose was always to preserve righteousness. Always, let's get the Messiah in the earth. You don't want to, in the Old Testament, you didn't want to get in the way of God bringing Messiah into the earth. You get in the way and you're going to be toast in the Old Testament. If you try to interfere with, the, with God bringing the Messiah into the earth, hallelujah. So these judgments come. We have in the New Testament, you have people say sometimes, well, we're under the New Covenant. There is no judgment in the New Covenant. But I can think of two examples. You may think of more that after Jesus was buried and resurrected, judgment came on Two accounts, Acts 5.1, where Ananias and Sapphira were judged, fell over dead. For uh, Paul said they lied to the Holy Ghost. Now why? I hadn't totally got that figured out because I know a lot of people I think have lied to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And I, I hadn't seen any of them fall over dead. But sometimes death is not immediate. Sometimes it's, it's, it might be cancer five years from now. I'm not saying God strikes you with it, but when we, we, we cannot participate in the works of darkness, lying, stealing, killing. The Bible says if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. That's why we see, you know, if you go out and you're in a gang and you're shooting and killing and knifing, chances are, high chance. Hallelujah. I read today that, it, that, that uh, abortion, they have proven this. Now, they don't advertise this when they're, when they're promoting pro-choice, but abortion, you are 50% more likely to have breast cancer after having an abortion they're the people that are least likely, the, did you know, and that homosexuality, the average lifespan of a homosexual male is 42 years, and that's if they don't have AIDS. It goes down if they catch AIDS. 42 years old. The average lifespan of a married male who never divorces is uh, 75. You all ought to keep us around is what I thought. Hey, you ought to hang on, Pastor. Hang on. Hallelujah. The average lifespan of a woman who's never been divorced is 79. <laughs> Hallelujah. So uh, these are, these. Uh, you know, we can escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. If we've been participant in any of these things, all we really have to do is repent and dig up the seed. 1 John 1, 9, we can dig that up, break that. Uh, but, you know, if, if people that continue in that, and, uh, you know, the Bible talks about in the last days how they're going to call light darkness and darkness light, and they're going to call right uh, wrong and wrong right. That's in Isaiah somewhere. Y'all look it up. It'll do you good. But, um, and, uh, you know, we went through this, I don't know, it's a few years ago. This is kind of out of style now. But where if something was really good, everybody said, man, that's bad. You know, that was, that was popular a few years ago. Hallelujah. Well, I was like, man, that is end time stuff. 
right there. You could tell. Praise God. So um, the Bible, the wages of sin are death. Thank God we've escaped in Jesus Christ. He paid for our sin, past, present, and future. Our sin's been paid for. The Bible says He's not only forgiven it and washed it, He's put it in the sea of His forgetfulness. So if you've repented, I'm not preaching you under condemnation tonight. I don't mean to. But we need to be aware of these things. Because we're told, hey, see, we're told that abortion is a matter of women's health. Well, if they really cared, they might care that you're 50% more likely. And killing, having babies rarely kills anybody. Rarely anymore. It's rare. But having abortion, you're 50% more likely to have uh, breast cancer. That's, so tells me, and that's kept hidden. That's kept undercover. We don't talk about that. The, lay, the head of the uh, National Organization of Women said, well, we just don't have enough studies about that to really talk about that. You know, hallelujah. You know, they say, well, you need to have pro-choice in case you're raped. Well, you know, my mama was a smart woman. She wasn't even that spiritual. But she said two wrongs don't make a right. Rape is horrible. It is the most horrible thing on earth. But killing a baby won't hurt, won't, uh, it will not wash away the pain of rape. And here, you know what? I, this is something I don't like. I think girls are nearly taught today that it'd be more sinful to give your baby up for adoption than it would be to abort it. And there are, there are couples all over America that wait years to adopt a baby and have to pay tons and tons of money. I don't even know what it costs, but I've heard things like $30,000 and stuff like that. Huh? They go to China and get babies. Yeah, and even now, those are getting expensive. China and Russia have caught on, and they charge exorbitant amounts. I know one of uh, Chris's friends adopted two Russians, and I think it cost her husband, good thing he was a lawyer, it cost them $30,000 to adopt two Russian babies out of Russia. So there's people that want babies. But we nearly put girls that, and there are girls that really don't have any business raising a baby. They don't need a baby. They don't have, they don't have the, the facilities. They're not old enough. They're not mature enough. And they don't have the finances to do it. And yet we would condemn them more for, um, for giving them up, giving up your baby, than we would if they went and got an abortion. How, there's something wrong with that picture because every life is precious. I got a picture for you. I don't know why I did this. I didn't even know if I'd talk about it tonight because I didn't know which direction I'd go. But right here, I got a picture of a fetus for you. And the top one is eight weeks old, an eight-week-old fetus. And they say that's not even viable yet. The abortionists do, but it looks like a baby to me. And the, huh? I see them suck their fingers. Yeah. Well, this one's 16 weeks in, on the bottom, and he's got his, he or she's got her finger in her mouth. And now we have a government that's trying to, pass, trying to legalize these uh, uh, abortion all the way to the, you can even, if it's born alive, they'll kill it. 
or even in the last, like if you're eight and a half months pregnant, you just decide you don't you want to have abortion, and they you know even in states where they say. Uh, well, it's women's health. If, you're, if the mother's health is in danger, that can be just that she's a little depressed. Well, let me ask you. Every woman that's unmarried has no money. You're going to be a little depressed. Hallelujah. If you are unmarried, have no money, and you don't know how you're going to raise a child, anybody could say they were a little depressed. It depresses me to think about it. Hallelujah. To think about raising a child by myself. You know. And so, but they can say there she's a little depressed and the doctor can say, well, I've got to abort this baby. And you know how they abort one that's eight and a half months along? They pull its little legs out, pull its little hands out till its head's still inside. She, the doctor takes the scissors, stabs it in its throat, takes a suction and sucks its brain out. And the skull caves in. You know, folks, we ought to learn these things in church. I know this isn't pleasant. I mean, I picked October 31st to scare the living dates out of you. Know? No, no, we ought to hear these things in church. Why won't the church, why won't the pastor stand up? Why? Because somebody might leave. Somebody that pays, uh, that, that's paying the bills might leave. But uh, you know what? When you get where we're at, God's paying the bills anyway. Hallelujah. We've walked by faith so long, it doesn't even, you know. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter. Jeremiah 5.1. Let me just say this. When, you know, when catastrophe and all this sin, did you know that America now murders more babies every year than the, than the Germans killed in the Holocaust on a yearly basis? The Nazis, the Nazis, I shouldn't say Germans, I should say Nazis. The Nazis killed in the Holocaust on a yearly basis. We now murder more babies in America every year. No wonder we've got troubles in America. Not, 50 million have died since 1973, that's what Garland said. Okay, Jeremiah 5.1. It is always God's will though. Even with all of that, it's His will to show mercy. Hallelujah. Mercy is God's will. He wants to show mercy. The judgments are in the earth. The Word of God is going to judge that. The, throughout the Word of God, you will find scriptures that says, if a nation does this, then judgment will come. If a, and those are the word, that's the Word of God. That's not God up in heaven throwing down. God, God didn't get up in heaven and say, man, I am mad. And say, let's just cook up Hurricane Sandy and just... And, and, and now let's point it to New York and New Jersey. I did find it interesting that it hit, uh, the very worst part hit Atlantic City. I told you last week about New Orleans that sin will draw it right up, you know. And New, uh, Atlantic City, that's, the, you know, praise God. And speaking of, Nevada is the worst state hit by the economic crisis. They have a higher unemployment rate than any state, and they have, um, they've had the most foreclosures. And they say that a lot of Las Vegas looks like a ghost town, neighborhoods that have been built that are just empty. Nobody living in them because all the houses have been foreclosed on. That might, you know, 
that could tell us something. What amazes me is the Christians that go and say, well, I really like the lights. Well, you're going to love the lights in hell too. It's going to be real lit up. It's just like, you know, we used to have a friend that would say, that's supernatural ignorance. You know what supernatural ignorance is? That's ignorant, so ignorant you can't get there by yourself. If you just thought like a normal human, you couldn't be that ignorant. You have to have demonic help to get that ignorant. To say, we're, you know, we go to Vegas because we just want to see the lights and eat the cheap buffets. I've been in a casino, not by my choice, to eat the cheap buffet. And that thing, that place smelt like the devil. You could feel the demonic presence in there. I didn't like it one and and you talk about shady looking characters hanging out in there. My lord. I'm telling you, it don't look like church people in there. And all of them have been drenched in cigarette smoke. And and uh got booze dripped down their shirt. Well, and this is another thing they've said to us is like, well, I don't think my little nickel that I put in the slot machine, I don't even know if they have nickel slots anymore, but, you know, I don't think that's going to hurt anybody. Well, it hurts your witness. Hallelujah. We need to think about it, folks. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to preach anybody under condemnation. I'm praying mercy on everybody. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem. Did I tell you Jeremiah 5, 1? Hallelujah. And see now and know and seek in the broad places thereof. If ye can find a man, if there be any that execute the judgment, that seeketh the truth, and I will pardon it. God's always looking for a man that will stand for righteousness and will ask for pardon. Lord, we ask you... We ask you, Father, for mercy in this situation. We don't have to, not, we're not even talking about for ourselves here. We're under a new covenant. We repent and we're under the blood of Jesus. But we can ask for mercy for Las Vegas and for uh, Katrina victims in New Orleans. But they just keep celebrating sin down there. They just, they, you know, they're out in the streets. In Bourbon Street and all that. I read in the Tuscaloosa magazine, they asked Tuscaloosa people, where's the, the for a weekend getaway, where's the best place to go? You'd think they'd have said Gatlinburg or the beach. But number one, what they said was New Orleans. Number two was the beach and number three was, I don't even know what that was. It wasn't even, it wasn't Gatlinburg. I was like, well, what's wrong with you people? Hallelujah. Glory to God. It was probably... Uh, it wasn't NASCAR or anything like that. Okay, Ezekiel 22.30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. 
He said, I looked for an intercessor. I sought for a man that would stand in the gap before me, and I found none. We know that one time, Genesis 18, oh, we won't turn there, I'll just tell you, but remember, God came and appeared. It was a, a Christophany. Jesus came and appeared to Abraham and said, you know, I'm fixing to go down to Sodom and Gomorrah. And Sodom and Gomorrah was a very wicked place. And... Uh, Abraham intervened. He became that man that stood in the gap. And he said, well, for 50 righteous, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah? And God said, yeah, I'll spare it for 50. And uh, obviously God didn't say, well, he didn't start walking away. He probably took another step towards Sodom and Gomorrah or something. I mean, Abraham got a clue that that wasn't enough. So he went for 40. And then he went for 30. And he went for 20. And he went for 10. And I don't know why he stopped at 10. But at 10, he stopped. But God told him, for 10 righteous, I will spare Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, number one, there wasn't 10. I counted up and there was four. And one of them wasn't, too much, wasn't worth much. Lot's wife, yeah, she wasn't worth much. She looked back and got turned into a pillar of salt. So that means she looked back longingly. The word says she looked back longingly for Sodom and Gomorrah. She got turned into a pillar of salt. So, you know, there was... Three and a half righteous, she was just half. <sighs> huh? Quarter righteous, yeah. Hallelujah. So I don't know why he didn't say five, and I don't know why. I don't know if, you know, somebody said, well, you got to have 10% or something, but praise God. I don't know, but we can be the intercessor, and we know that. We know in Romans eight twenty six it says the Holy Ghost makes intercession for the saints. Hallelujah. And as we pray in tongues with uh, groanings which cannot be uttered, uh, that's uh, many times we're making intercession for the saints. Hallelujah. Then I want to talk about tonight, we don't have much time, but we did cover some good stuff, but uh, I want to talk about nations and nations coming under judgment because we talked about how God's not mad at man. Let me just say that. Uh, God's not mad at man. There's a scripture, I don't know if I can find it, says that God wakes up every day and he's angry with the wicked. It's in the Old Testament. I don't even, I have it wrote down here somewhere, but where it's at, my, I told Pastor my notes are, I've got, I've got a lot of good stuff going. Uh, here, let me see. I'll tell you where it's at. You'll really want to know. Psalm 7, 11. He's angry every day with the wicked. Hallelujah. But that's not New Covenant. Remember in Luke 2.14, and this is a lot of, th let's turn there because a lot of people misunderstand this scripture. And this is a good old Christmas card scripture. We usually get a Christmas card, at least one with this on it. And uh, the shepherds were in the fields watching their flocks by night and the angels appeared to them, and, uh, and it says in verse 13 of Luke 2, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. When Jesus came, and Je this was the birth of Jesus, from that point, God was excited. He laid all the sin of every man on Jesus, of course he hadn't done it yet, this is looking ahead, but he was no longer 
going to be at odds with man. And God is not angry with man anymore. He's not angry. No, even when they sin, He's not angry. Hallelujah. He is not angry with man. Now sin, when we talked about sowing and reaping last week, and that sowing sin will cause us to reap. If we sow uh, death, we're going to reap death. If we sow life, we'll reap life. If we sow blessing, we'll reap blessing. If we sow hatred, we'll encounter it. Whatsoever we want men to do unto us, we should do also unto them because it's going to come back. And the Bible says that, that there's this law of multiplication that called good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So if we sow it once, we usually encounter it more than once. We sow judgment. The Bible says if you don't want to be judged, then show mercy. Hallelujah. And so, but God's not mad anymore. But this scripture here, a lot of people misread this scripture and they say, Glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And they think that God is saying, no more war, peace in the whole earth. But that's not what he was talking about. And certainly there's going to come a day where there is no more war. And we're excited about that. That'll be in the millennial reign. There won't be war. In the millennial reign, there's going to be God's way or the highway. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's going to be the boss. Hallelujah. The Bible says, and it's not that people aren't going to be punished for things. The Bible says, talks about oh, there's going to be a punishment for those that don't come up to Jerusalem. Everybody's got to go up to Jerusalem where Jesus is at. And there's going to be a punishment for that. But... Um, there's not going to be any wars. Those are going to be snuffed out. And uh, even between the animals, the lion's going to lay down with the lamb, you know. The child's going to be able to stick its hand down in a snake's den, and that won't be a problem in the millennial reign. And so that's going to be an exciting time. But uh, this scripture's talking about peace on earth, goodwill, that God, through Jesus, now his will is totally good for all men. He's totally at peace with man. Because why? Because the price for sin has been paid. God took care of the sin problem when he laid it on Jesus. And every man, they don't have to receive it, but if they will receive it, their past, present, and future sins are washed in the blood and forgiven. And we know that. Just reminding you, just reminding you. Because, and the reason I have to remind you because I'm talking about judgment. And I don't want you to think I'm preaching you under judgment and condemnation because I'm not. But then nations, that's a whole separate thing. That's a separate thing. And we find that in Matthew 25. So let's look at judgment of the nations. And that's what we encounter. Not judgment of individual people, but when we see uh, things come against nations, we see uh, judgment of nations. And if God were judging individual people, he would have took care of Hitler right away. And Stalin and Mussolini and, and then we could just name them forever. But one of the most wicked men ever on the face of the earth uh, was uh, Hitler. He was horrible. And God didn't act uh, immediately to take care of Hitler, but he did reap what he sowed. And the, one of the ways God has made us made it to be taken care of now is through sowing and reaping, but also through Romans chapter 13. And in Romans 13, 
it talks about, and I wasn't going to go there right now, but maybe I will. I may not get to the nations after all, but we're kind of talking about it. Romans 13. I'm sure they're not through partying, so we can go, through a, go a little longer. Romans 13, 1. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And that word power, in your Bible, you ought to write offices. Because it's talking about offices that men stand in. It can be a sheriff. It can be a, a, a president. It can be a policeman. Wherefore, therefore, whosoever therefore, verse 2, resisteth, the office or the power or the authority resisteth the ordinance of God. When you resist the police, you are, and, and I, we're not talking, we know there's corrupt policemen. We know that there's, corrupt, there's corruption there. And we ha it is our responsibility as the church to pray out the corruption out of the police department, the sheriff's department. Hallelujah. That's our responsibility. And to elect officials that will deal with that. And... Uh, there is no power but of God. Well, whosoever therefore resisteth the power or the authority resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power or the authority to do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same? For he is the officer of God. It says minister, but it could be the word officer of God. To, to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. So he's talking about obeying the law here. He's saying that these offices or these, these people are set into office. That doesn't mean that everyone that's in office was chosen by God to be there, but that the office is chosen by God. And so we are to be subject to these laws, to these rules. We may not want to obey, we may not, and, as, and, and especially as long as they don't violate the Word of God. If they tell us now, don't, you, you can't pray anymore, don't be bowing down and praying. You know, well then, just like Daniel, we'll say, no, I'm going to obey God and I'm going to pray. Because that violates the word of God. But if they say, don't drive 75 mile an hour, what are we supposed to do? Drive it anyway. Get us a radar detector. All everybody look down at the ground. Oh, just don't complain when you get a ticket. He says, you know. They bear not the sword in vain. Hallelujah. In that case, you could say they bear not that pen. They can write that ticket out. Hallelujah. I know you said it was unfair and everybody else on the road was speeding too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me just tell you this. When we came to Alabama, we went, nobody enforces the law here. In Texas, you will get stopped, won't you? Now, I'm telling you what, they enforce law. But in here, we don't, we, do, we just let them. Uh, we went, when we saw 459, we went, my Lord have mercy. <laughs> yeah, the Alabama Autobahn, they call it. And, uh, and uh, one of the pastors said, well, I kind of think you better stay with the traffic, you know, because you might, you don't want to get run over. <laughs> so maybe so, maybe so. You know, but anyway, you know, let's apply this to something more. 
Let's apply this to Hitler. Let's say, you know, God expected the world, including the United States, and he expected them to rise up. And so we have sometimes politicians say, well, who made the United States the policeman of the whole world? The, the Lord God Almighty to enforce righteousness. And so we have to sometimes go to other nations and save people. Did you know that in World War II, before America went in the war, that, that there were uh, Jewish businessmen in America going to the president and to Congress and begging them, to help the European Jews because the Jews were being taken to concentration camps. They were being exterminated uh, by the millions. They actually ended up being six million Jews exterminated, and that's not counting the gypsies, and they, they exterminated uh, thousands of gypsies. And, uh, uh, and that's not counting like uh, Corrie ten Boom. She was, not, uh, she was Dutch. She was not a Jew, but she hid them. She hid Jews in her house, and, and we know her whole family was exterminated because of that. And uh, So the um, United States wouldn't get involved. Wouldn't get involved. Wouldn't do anything about it. And they were begging. They were pleading. They couldn't find their families. Their families were like, you know, had been taken out of their towns, and they couldn't find their family. They were going to congressmen, and they were begging, do something. And when we turn our back on people that are crying out for help, no wonder, no wonder a bomb that we got, Pearl Harbor got bombed. We opened ourselves up for that judgment. When our leaders said no, no, we're not going to send help to you. No, y'all just suffer. See, American, the American people weren't in the mood for war. They didn't want to go to war. They had just come out of World War I. It, not, it hadn't been but about a little over 20 years. They did not want to go to war. Nobody wanted to go to war. But there were people dying and crying out for help. And it was also, it was, uh, it was God's chosen people, the Jews. Hallelujah. And so uh, we are that, we, those powers... We're supposed to rise up. God's, that's how he takes care of those things in the earth. And we have religions that say, well, no war. But hallelujah. Wickedness has to be stopped. Two reasons. To preserve the righteous and to preserve the earth. If we let the devil just run wild, he's going to destroy this planet before it's time. Somebody's going to mash the button. That nuclear button. Some idiot that's demon-possessed and so well, and three reasons we have to preserve Israel at all costs. Why? Because we love Jews, maybe not. Jews you know the Jews, they don't even believe anymore. They're not even good believers anymore. Most of them they're secular. Most of them aren't Orthodox, and you see the little Orthodox Jews with their little curls and their skull caps and all that. Most of them aren't even like that anymore. They're totally secular, don't even participate. But that doesn't make any difference. Because God made promises in the Old Testament that they're, they're that they would for and it was and he literally said forever. We don't have time to look at those promises tonight, but he said forever. Forever. 
So we have to preserve the righteous. We have to preserve Israel. And we have to keep this earth. So sometimes we have to go after nations. And the American people don't like it. And Hollywood really don't like it. They like to make movies about it and make millions of dollars, billions of dollars on the movies, but they don't like it when we go to Hollywood. They're all, I, yeah. I know we have freedom of speech, but I'd like to gag and tie every movie star in Hollywood and say, now you can only open your mouth when you're on stage acting. <laughs> you know? They don't make very good politicians. And the reason they... They, 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 lead, they lead a sin lifestyle and they hate everybody that stands for righteousness. Just remember that. The, the, the wicked always persecute the righteous or anyone that stands for righteous. Always. And we cannot let them... This is our God, not some Hollywood star. And some of them are really good actors and actresses. I give it to them. I like some of them as actors and actresses. But we cannot judge on, you know, well, you're so handsome or you're so cute. That's, that's, that's not our God. Hollywood's not our... You can't even find a movie to watch anymore. It is hard. Me and Pastor, we just watch old ones because over because it, I I was like, okay, I'm gonna see what DVDs have been released in 2012 because I kind of was in the mood to watch a movie. They're pitiful, they're horrible. We're just getting more, you know. Creativity comes from God, and it's not even creative anymore, a lot of it. Because why? Because they don't have any blessing or gift from God working. And used to, beautiful things were created. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we just repent for our nation. We ask you to forgive our nation for the, the blood of the innocent that's been shed in abortion. We ask you to forgive the Christians for not standing up. Forgive the church for being unaware. Forgive us, Lord, where we've let one, we let one woman take prayer out of our schools. We ask you to forgive us, Lord. We ask you to forgive us, Lord, that uh, we let... We let unrighteous men come into office and appoint Supreme Court justices and Roe versus Wade got in and Lord you know we never thought it would get so bad we never thought it all the way through we never thought about the progression of sin and what looked innocent at one time it snowballed and it just got kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger we ask you to forgive us, Lord, where we've not been concerned enough, not prayed enough. 
And thank you, Father, for helping us take America back. Lord, if there's any time left before Jesus returns and the rapture of the church, Lord, help us make the most of that time and take our, take our nation back. Because you said if your people who are called by your name would humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways, that you would hear from heaven and you would heal our land. Father, we ask you to send a great awakening again to America. And Father, we know we're not the only ones praying. We know that there's millions of Christians that have woken up and are crying out and are saying, please, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us for allowing uh, gay marriage. And Lord, you didn't ever intend for it to get to this place in America. This wasn't your plan. And we ask you, Father, for every person in here that says, but I don't understand, Lord, that you would see, give them light on, the, on what they need to see light in. And Father, truly, in this church, that there would be no condemnation. Lord, we're having to face these things, but we're not trying to condemn people. We believe in that, that blood that washes and cleanses, and we believe, Lord, in that, that Lord, that, that plant, that, oh man, we believe in redemption and full redemption. And Lord, that you're a restorer. And Father, we ask for any person that, that maybe did something they're not proud of, that Lord, you would heal their wounds, their hearts, their mind, their will, their emotions, heal them from any trauma from that. Lord, we know that in ignorance we've done many things that we, we wish we hadn't done, but we ask you to cleanse us with the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Father, for that. Thank you for laying help on the church, this church and the worldwide body of Christ. The Lord, to lay help on us. We can't do this on our own. Lord, it's going to take those appearances and those dreams and those visions. And it's going to take angelic appearances and divine visitations. So we are asking for those all over this earth. Not for us, Lord. We, we're believers. But, Father, for our relatives and our loved ones who are not believers. And, Father, for Christians that have backslid and are away from God, we ask, Lord. We ask it, Jesus. We ask you, Lord. We thank you for appearing to Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus. And Lord, Lord, we know. Father, help us to be more in the harvest. Lord, we're looking for ways now. Help Pastor and I to see the paths of, for River Church to be more involved in the harvest, more involved in healing. Lord, we know that, that healing is one of the things that's going to be a, a major thing in these last days. So help us, Father, to be at the right place at the right time in order to minister healing, that every person in this church would be trained ministers of healing. And Lord, it wouldn't be an occasional thing. It would be an everyday occurrence that people are healed. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you've brought us together for such a time as this. So Lord, use us. Lord, perfect that which concerns us. Bring us to that place that we need to be. God, get our motives right. If anything in our motives for healing are not right, we ask you to get them right. In the name of Jesus. 
We thank you. Lord, we thank you for that. We don't pretend to be the only people in town, Lord. All the churches, bring them to another place. Take us to a higher level. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Knit us together in love. Let us be knit together and pull together and pray together and be strengthened together and to love one another and to forgive each other and overlook, Lord, not to judge each other, but to have mercy on each other. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Thank you so much that we had the freedom tonight to come together. And Lord, we speak right now. You told me to say this. And I speak now to the county of Tuscaloosa, the city of Tuscaloosa. I speak to the state of Alabama. And I speak to the United States government. And I send, I make a decree and a declaration. And I say, don't touch the church. Keep your hands off the church. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we ask you, Father, for any bill in Congress, any law that's trying to be passed that would hinder or hurt the church to be stopped in Jesus' name. Thrown out in the name of Jesus, we ask. And Lord, help the leaders of America to be wise. We send wisdom to them. We send a supply of the spirit of wisdom that they know how to deal with this catastrophe in the Northeast. They know how to deal with the, uh, the, the, um, the problems of America. They know how to treat Israel, that they're wise in Jesus' name. And we pray for truth to be brought to light, that anything that's hidden to be revealed, anything that's been covered up to be uncovered in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that the American people have eyes to see and ears to hear and they are awake and alert in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray and thank you for safety for the body of Christ. And for those that speak up for righteousness, Lord, even if they don't even know why, even if they're not even saved, but they stand for a right cause, we ask you to protect them and keep them. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Does anybody need prayer tonight before we dismiss?